Welcome along folks to this week's Tune the Cud and this week we shall look back on the game against Southampton and we'll also discuss the international fan survey from the Fans Forum. So again I'm delighted to be joined by Richie and Colly. Good afternoon gents. Afternoon Joe, how are things? How are you doing Joe, how's things? I'm good pal, I'm good pal. I think we could literally just copy and paste the spores review uh, for this week's uh, Richie it was especially the first half it was just the same again wasn't it it was just monotonous rubbish yeah the first half was was, was, was dreadful and you take into account that it was Southampton were playing albeit that they were in a bit of form and everything but I just looking at our own performance again so so inept so slow slow so sluggish and yeah I mean lots and lots of questions and no answers coming out of it yeah uh, I don't know, Carl. I thought Awobi should have been dropped. I know it's it's a recurring team with me, but he and he was hooked at half time as well. But not just that. I mean, the tactics I thought four four two when he started out just didn't work at all in the first half. Just didn't work because again the midfield were non-existent. Yeah, Joe. Look, you know this has been a repetitive team over the last couple of podcasts that we've done. It, it, the midfield obviously is the big, uh, the big issue. It's or it certainly seems to be at the moment. I'm kind of thinking about Gomez, and he's getting a lot of stick on social media. I just remember back pre his injury uh, when he played quite a lot of games over uh, his fourth season in over the Christmas period, and he was dead on his feet. I think Silva played him and played him and played him. Mm. So I kind of thought to myself two things: can he physically play? two games a week possibly three and then is he a type of player that needs legs literally beside him in the centre of the park so in a 4-3-3 let's say he had a Ghana gay last year mm. so he, Ghana was the legs around him so I think these questions have to be asked um, of him um, I, his level of performance has dropped dramatically since we've come back is it because of the injury? Who knows? God, it was a, a, a horrific injury. And, and mm. you know, did we even expect to see him back this season? I certainly didn't, Joe. You know, the kind of way. But um, he, he was poor the other night. And, and obviously, he got the injury. And, and Sigerson came on. But, um, look, anyone can see where, where our frailties lie. And teams now are attacking us in the middle of the park and, and able to go through quite easily through, through the centre of our midfield there. So, it, it, it will be addressed in the summer, but it's the next few games, where which way are we going to go, you know? Yeah, I think, again, it's it just repeat, 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 Richie. Our midfield is letting us down because back four, since they're doing okay, like solid enough. Now, there was one episode there, I don't know whether you've seen it. David Prentice put up the Everton defender to the Benny Hill music. I saw it, yeah. Uh, it was like Keystone Cops. It was just, it was just something you'd see off a, off a YouTube channel. But I mean, the defence have been solid enough since the restart. We spoke about this all all the time. Just there's nothing coming from midfield. Nothing. No, and there's no support kind of going forward or going back, which kind of puts the defence under pressure because you can just walk straight through them. They give the ball away. They turn it over. Um, yeah. Again, kind of the start on the four four two. We just don't have the personnel there, you know. Whether it's legs, but it's also ability. Gomez has got neither at present. He can't turn on the ball. You know, he's just so slow to react. Um, Davis as well. I mean, he tries to get involved, but then again, he just just can't cover the ground and hardly kind of, you know, wasn't getting on it enough. They're just not controlling, not creating. Um, I thought defence weren't as good as recent weeks. You know, I thought Mina was sluggish and made a few errors and kind of put people under pressure. And then that clip that, that you're on about, I mean, Ings, you know, kind of was dancing around him, you know, and still managed to have the ball at his feet. There was 11 of us in the box, like it was comical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I suppose that's, that's isolated incidents, you would hope. But yeah, I mean, again, it's confidence, you know, when you kind of start playing bad, that it kind of drips on and sloppy goal to give away again and it, it, it just kind of starts eating into everything else you know and obviously we're getting more negative about things as well yeah I think I think Kelly as well I noticed a couple of games I've watched since the restart 
I think we've we've stayed at the same level since the first game. But other teams seem to have got that sharpness back, that that pace. I mean, so Hampton at times just dan- like Richie said, danced around us, went past it, and the Ings is better. I, I mean, I flagged him up last week. He just he just gives an extra ten, fifteen percent against us, but you just look fitter and faster, Collie. Yeah, well, you know the old saying: the certainties in life, and one of them is Danny Ings scoring against Everton, but. Oh. Um, in relation to Angelotti, um, has mentioned, um, even in his, his pre uh, Wolves uh, press conference today, like there's only 64 hours since we last played against Southampton. Wolves have a further full 24 hours uh, advantage over us. <clears throat> now, again, there seems to be quite a lot of fatigue in, in and he, he keeps he has mentioned that on, on a number of occasions. He hosts uh, the Southampton game interview. Uh, the, the, the team lacked, you know, <clears throat> they were tired and what have you. So, is it a fitness issue? Is the team don't be don't seem to be a hundred percent fit? Um, it, it's it's a hard one, Joe. Um, but I have a honest. question then, Carl. Why why does he keep playing the same players? That's yeah. I, I was just going to say the same thing, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it's he yeah. has whatever he has available to him, but give him a break. Yeah, but yeah. I'll come back to you now, lads, with that one. Um, if I may, um. Obviously, the, the players on the bench, he's seen them in, in training on a daily basis. And obviously, they're not impressing in training. Now, if they're not impressing in training, or if they're actually worse than what we have on the pitch, my God, the squad is quite is, is quite uh, thin. You know, kind of, mm-hmm. like me and you, Joe, have been looking for Beningamy to come in. And we, we, even, we even spoke about him pre Southampton game. But uh, he mustn't be doing anything in training because... For, for him to be kept on the bench, Jordan, the last couple of games. You know? Dan Rich, uh, listen, if, if they're not doing it in training, what are, what are the starting 11 doing in training? They must be leaving everything on the training pitch because when they get actually into game time, just it's, it's, listen, we, we keep harping, harping. It's the midfield that are letting us down because the front two, I thought Richarlison actually pulled himself around. He, he came back to look for the ball, he was, but he shouldn't have to do that. No, but it's it's the same thing. People are well aware of how weak we are in the middle now, and, and uh, you know, I suppose Southampton. As soon as we got on the ball, they just a quick press, and we were, you know, we turned it over. As I said, you know, forced into an error, you know, for no for no reason, you know, just because we couldn't we couldn't be strong on it. We were second to, or we won no second balls either. And as you said, yeah, Richardson ends up coming deep and, and and working hard to try to help out, but he's our main threat up front. So you know, it it. it because I know we kind of touched on the uh, on the idea of him dropping into midfield, kind of on the right hand side, um, and yeah, it, it'd be great to have one of him in every position, you know. But you know, it, we need our threat there, and as it showed, kind of when he got his chance that he took it, and he and again, kind of in a similar to the Spurs, I found that he was kicked around the place. Yeah, that's another thing as well. I noticed on the match of night, and we again we talked about it last week. But they put in, they stuck a build in. I got to ask, like. Ward Prowse got away with a couple of like tackles without getting a card, but we 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 don't do that. We're just too nice. I don't know, Colly. Just I'd like to see someone just get an early yellow. Just let someone know that we're in a game. Give someone a kick up the arse or something. I don't know. Just just again, we spoke about the passion. It's 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 not there. Yeah, it certainly doesn't appear to me, Joe. Uh, you know. I wouldn't mind actually seeing a, a, an older age player coming in in the summer. Mm. Uh, we've had quite a lot of young lads in there. Maybe we need a bit of an old head in there to to, to do that, to be that little snidey little player. You know the kind of I know you've mentioned Bessage. I don't know what his future holds for him at the club. You know, but if we are bringing in a player, I wouldn't mind bringing in like a twenty-eight year old, twenty-nine year old who who knows who knows the midfield. You know the kind of way. And who can? I've said this again in the last podcast. They need a player to literally grab other players by, by the jersey and pull them through the game and, and bollock them out with Joe if needs be. You know, the kind of way. Um, well, one thing I will say about you tonight, Joe, uh, the only reason we got a point out of that was Angelotti. Um, Half time, he changed the system. I've seen a lot of criticism for him since the game over social media. I just I don't understand it whatsoever. Um, I, I can't admit myself, Colly, to be honest, because uh, now we've praised him his in-game management before, like especially like in the derby and the win against um, Leicester. But 
I just thought that four four two. You could see from from the first five ten minutes, it just wasn't working. And and when he eventually did switch to like the four three three or five three three whatever, it just worked when he brought Sadibi on, pushed him up front, pushed uh, Dean on the other side. It just worked. Just worked so well. But listen, far be from me or anybody else to to ball out Carlo Ancelotti, but. I, I just thought he took his time changing that. Yeah, possibly, Joe. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I don't agree with you. I, I think that's, that's, he, listen, that's fine, pal. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think he wanted to see how the four four two went initially and recognised that it wasn't working. Ings was dropping deeper. Adams was dropping deep. So this was causing an extra body in the, in the middle of the park. So Air Centre Half was coming out to try and track him. So, Look, your man, Hassel Hooten, uh, the Southampton manager, he's a good manager, in fairness mm. to him, and, and he's mm. done well with him, you know. Um, but, look, the table doesn't like Joe. We're, we're a, a, a middle-of-the-league uh, team, as is Southampton. Um, and I, I just can't see any, at the moment, I can't see any uh, change in that going forward. Obviously, somewhere now will be very important for the club in itself. Um, but, Look, whatever can well, I'm a great believer in what can't speak, can't lie, and I think we're eleventh in, in in the league, so that represents how good we are against other teams. Let's say, you know, yeah, I think a that's bit negative. We understand, but look, we have to be realistic as well, you know. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Rich. Like we are where we deserve to be. We are possibly, possibly, possibly lower, maybe some would say. I don't know, but I, I was going to say, I mean, we we scraped a point last night you know and I suppose a point kind of on the outset looking back at the game was a good result because we didn't deserve to get anything out of it um, and to be outplayed you know at home by by the team kind of a point behind us in the table is it, it's a worry you know that's kind of the way I'd look at it you know and even they say yeah we tired the last 15 and stuff um, but they they seem to be the ones that were if there was going to be a winner it was going to be them yeah Again, I mentioned during the game, I, we still haven't used our five allowed substitutes, which, again, could go back to what you're saying, Colley, doesn't, doesn't seem to trust what he has on the bench. Yeah, I, that's, you know, I don't think he's, he's used the five substitutes since that. No, not once. There, Joe. So he obviously hasn't got much faith with, with the players on the bench, and that would include Bernard, and obviously Sigerson had a mirror against uh, Sports. Um, you know, and he he started out on the bench. So I actually thought he done not too bad when he came on. He, look, mm. he, he's and I, I, you know, I think he'll start on Sunday against Wolves. But um, Angelo obviously has no has no um has no belief or, or, or faith in the players on the bench. If he did, I think he would have been on or certainly starting the game. Um, he has hinted. I, I know we go into the, the Wolves game shortly, but he has hinted that he will change on Sunday. Uh, is just to try and freshen things up. You and I can both wonder what freshen things up means, but um, I suppose it's a wait and see situation. I know what I, I know what formation and the team I put out, but I'm sure I'm a long way from Ancelotti's task. You know. <laughs> well, listen, that's what that's what these pods are all about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and what we think, and but yeah. like I said, far be it from the likes of you, me, or Rich to call out Carlo Ancelotti on tactics. But listen, it has to be said, Rich. I mean, like we praise him when he gets a spot on. If he doesn't get it, I think it, it should be said as well. Yeah, and I suppose to, there's, there's two sides to the kind as well that you know we were lucky to be only going in one down at half time and realised and made the change and bar the kind of adjustment period of a couple of minutes after the break. I thought we had a good. 25 minutes then kind of up to about 70 75 where you know we had we 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 had a couple of other chances and half chances our Calvert Lewin had a had a great chance probably could could have done better and uh Gordon just was a bit under hit a pass into into Dina as well you know two good kind of half chances that we you know you probably should be taking you know when you when you get them so i mean there was good spells at that stage as well and i suppose it was kind of saying right that from his point of view, that you know what, I got away with it to kind of this point, make the change, and obviously, yeah, the, the, the personnel we have it just suits to have more bodies in around the middle. It helped the defense because there was less room for the boys kind of moving in around and also the midfield because we don't have the, the pace or the movement in there. Yeah, actually, we, we spoke a couple of times about this playing out from the back, 
and it just, just gives me grey hairs. It's unbelievable. But when we start to play off in the back the other night, I saw oh, here we go and here we go again. The ball goes out to Dean and he pings an absolute worldy right on the button to Richarlison. Um, well, I mean, what a finish. So I think maybe, Colin, that's the way to go. Just bypass the midfield. <laughs> go back to the old... Go back to the old hoof ball and... Because yeah, um, the midfield just ends up coming back on the defence. So why not? Why not try a few passes like that? Yeah. Yeah, look, you know, midfield isn't working at the moment for us um, regardless of who's in there, Joe. So maybe it is a way that he wants to, to try and bypass the midfield. And there has been quite a number of kicks as well from Pickford up to, to Lewis to Don the Carver Loon looking for the, the knock on um from him. Um just in relation to um Dominic, I, I, I thought he huffed and puffed a bit and um the chance he had it was a great ball from, from Tom Davis, but I, I think actually think he overran himself. He, mm. he just lost the flight of the ball. Um but look we we, we to, again he hasn't scored since he's come back and Angelotti was asked about him today and the impression I got from Angelotti is that he's trying too hard and this is starting to get on, in, in on him. So Angelotti kind of just said if he doesn't think as much he'll, the goals will come, you know. So, again, um, I don't know really, Joe, in, in relation to going forward with, with like, the, the, would you go 3 5 two on Sunday? Oh, I think, that, well, again, the 4 4 two didn't work but that was against like the way Southampton set up, I mean, you said it last week. They have a back four, and they have it like two lads just sitting there. Sitting two, yeah. So yeah, so like basically at times we had two players against six, which just, which just never, never worked. So I would maybe if if you want, if he's talking about freshening it up, maybe go with five three three or I don't know, but definitely change it because four four two just it just doesn't work. Yeah, I, 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 I'd be inclined to go that way again just because to try to fill that hole in the middle of the pitch because, mm. you know, it's it's so glaring the last couple of days and obviously boys are out on their feet now as well. Um, yeah, I don't know what he means by mix it up. We just have to wait and see, you know. But yeah, I'd, I'd be inclined to... Maybe if Holgate comes back back in, he might be someone that, you, that we could talk about pushing into midfield. Did it against United earlier in the season just as having a, a difference of personnel in there, someone that we know can play the ball, he's got legs as well. And yeah, it's, it's a short term fix, but you know, if it plugs a gap for now, might be an option. Yeah, yeah we said Carly uh, a couple of pods ago about not not like mixing the back four up, but maybe that could be a case to put me and Kane in there and have Hogate little just sitting in front of them. Like that like you said, we need someone to get the ball get the legs, get around and give to Gomez or Davis or whoever it would be. Yeah, there's still no word as to Holgate, according to Angelotti today, will be, uh, he'll have a test tomorrow. If he trains tomorrow, he'll start or he'll play on Sunday. But it's still very much 50-50, I think, with Holgate for Sunday, just to bear that in mind. Um, what I could see possibly is I'm going with um, uh, a 5-3-2 with Sadibi and uh, Dina out on the wings and Coleman tucking in and centre half and then you might in this middle three you might have a uh, 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 Sigerson uh, Gordon and possibly Ben Ningmi to come in there and then the two lads up front I, one thing I will say about you tonight Richie mentioned the last 15 minutes or so we kind of dropped the level dropped again and they were they were kept I just wonder what your your thoughts were. Do you think that coincided with Gordon going off? Personally, I don't. I think Gordon kind of fizzled out a small bit by then. Right. I thought he'd run into, into the ground. I think the game as a, as a whole kind of just died a bit. You know, they kind of, right. see, you know what, both teams were happy enough with a point and then they kind of made a go for it in the last five ten. You know, they, they, they kind of made a push. But, uh, yeah, I suppose it kind of coincided with the timing, all right, but I felt that Gordon had kind of dropped off a small bit up to that point. How did you think he played, Richie? I thought he was very good first half. Excellent, yeah. I mean, every time that he got on the ball, he looked like creating something for us. And, mm. you know, without him, you know, there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of other positives. Himself, Richardson and, and, and Dina, for me, were the three that could kind of hold their head. Yeah, yeah I think, again, he was, he was one of the brightest spots for me, uh, first half. Again, I, I, I don't know whether he retired or something. I think he just wanted to bring in something different. Um, 
like we said, Bernardo's that kind of impact player. Like he's never going to play a, like a full match. So maybe like in the next few games, it'll just be a case of him and him and Gordon flip flopping on that left hand side, unless he's going to, like I said, probably change it around totally. But he seems to, he seems to favour a four four two. But if if it doesn't work, he can he can again he has the five subs where if a system he, he likes isn't working he can use all them subs to change around but he hasn't done so so far so I don't know it's again it's just a frustration that's really really I mean I watched Tottenham yesterday they were muck again so how how they beat us 1-0 the other night is, is another story but listen that's for Tottenham podcast <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, I thought when Kane come on like he offered a little bit more, but he doesn't. He doesn't put himself about as much as Dominic Kelly. Like Dominic walks, walks like he might have three centre halves, but he walks to trade him really, really well. But Keane doesn't do that. I, I, I I've, um, I've kind of reading a few bits and pieces over the last couple of days about him, and you know, someone has has said that about him that he he's he's not the same as Dominic. But I don't, you know, I don't think he is the same type of striker as Dominic. I think. If he if he was getting ball into the box, I think that's where Kane is most effective. Whereas Dominic can run the channels. He almost reminds me of a, um, you know, he Dominic will run the channels and, and push the strikers out. Whereas Kane, I think, will be better suited to be almost like a fox in the box job. Um, but this lad, like again, certain criticism and like this lad is a, an Italian international and was with Juve. I was getting gains for Juve. So there is something there. You know, we haven't just said, oh, that name would look good in the back of an Everton jersey. You know, the kind of way. So there is, this lad has ability. I would like to see him start on Sunday. Because at, at this stage of the, of the season, we're in the mid-table. Mid, mid we're not going anywhere Europe boys. So and we've spoken about this before. Why not give him a chance? I'd even put Richardson back in if you're going for it. A three-five-two. I'd even put Richardson back in the middle of the park because Richardson has legs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and leave uh, Keane and Dominic up front and uh, put put um, either put Davis and Sigerson in the middle three with Richardson. I'll bring on a bit Beningby and just let him sit in front of, of the, the two centre halves, you know. Like if, if he is gonna, if he is gonna mix it up, as he said, as he's saying for Sunday, geez, why not have a look and see just. Particularly Moise Keane. Like Alan Shearer made a reference after the game that everyone's biggest issue is uh, they need a striker. Now, I don't know what game Alan Shearer was looking at during the night, but if you think that everyone's biggest issue from during the night is that we need a striker, I think Alan Shearer might need a pair of specs or something, Joe, you know? Yeah, I think so. Mr. Shearer, well, listen, he's a pundit and he's a striker, so I think the fact that, uh, listen, He's looking at Dominic struggling. He's looking at Kane struggling. So maybe, maybe has he has a point. But I think it comes back to the, the fact, Rich, that they don't get any service. That's I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't score if you don't have the ball. It's just like the basic. Yeah, I mean, feeding off the scraps, maybe getting one chance each each a game is kind of what it seems to be. And you know, it's it must be for so frustrating for him up there when you're not getting anything at all, you know. And I, to back, just to kind of go back to Moyes Keane as well, you, you need to remember he's just a kid as well, you know, you know kind of new, new in the country and everything. And yeah, say he's been there a while, but a lot of interruption and stuff. So I think games is what he needs, you know. And I know it's not easy coming into that team when, when you're not going to get service. But, you know, maybe just something that happens out of nothing is what kind of kickstarts him and he's not going to get it sitting on the bench, you know. Yeah, I think yeah, right. It's, it's a player. Listen, we spoke about this so many times about so many players in that team. But there's a player in there somewhere. But how long do you? How long do you give the, the lad? Really? Well, for me, Joe, certainly a, a full pre. Not that they're going to get a full preseason this year, this season, but certainly give him a preseason, um, and just give him that opportunity. If he takes it, he takes it. If he doesn't, well, then we look to move him on, either be a loan move or a permanent move back to Italy. You know, I know there's a number of Italian clubs that are interested in him. But I just, one thing I want to say as well, that we, we're very doom and gloom merchants, Everton fans. 
But I genuinely comes think... comes with the territory. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, so this is a bit of a warning, you know, uh, to anyone listening to this. This is going to be actually a positive uh, spin. I know things are bad at the moment, right? And and anyone can see where our issues are. But we have some really, really good players on that team. He likes Luca Dean, Anthony Gordon's coming through, Richarlson, and Dominic will be. Uh, so it's not all doom and gloom. Mm. Ancelotti knows. Geez, if you or I or Richie can see where, where, where the, the, the issues are, I'm sure a manager of uh, Angelotti's calibre will, will recognise that as well. And given that four or five or six weeks of pre season, let him get one or two bodies in. In, into that, hopefully Gabano comes back and he, he's able to, you know, integrate himself back into the squad. I know things are bad at the moment, and, and the results over the last couple of games haven't gone well. And going forward towards the end of the season, it really does look as if they're on holidays. But you know, I think we have to write again. I'm a big Angelotti fan. I think we have to write manager in place there that it will get better, absolutely get better. And it'll get better with, with addition of Ancelotti's players. Him him and Brands will come together. So, look, again, we kind of have to ride it out at the moment. But there is a good side there. Um, and hopefully next year, a lot of them will prove their worth, you know? Yeah, yeah I think that's spot on. But again, it's just the, the expectation and the optimism. And then to see, especially the last two games, the displays have just been as flat as pancakes. And... You're just wondering what is going on. When, like, if the break didn't come, would it be like that? Is it like they think the season's over, Rich? To be honest, I don't think it's the last two. I, 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 I didn't think the performances were great in the, in, the, in the three previous as well, but we managed to get some results, which papered over a lot of the cracks. Um, to go back to Collie's point, I'd say there's no one looking forward to the end of the season as much as Ancelotti, where he can kind of regroup and get his players in. And, and prepare for next season. Um, you know, he's looking at the same thing that we are and he knows what needs to be done, I have no doubt in my mind. So I'm sure that he's kind of just itching to get it over with, you know. Mm. But, you know, you've got to play it out. You've got to play the games and you've got to talk to talk and, and, and stuff and say that we're still fighting for Europe. But realistically, I think he knows what's going on and that he just wants to get ready for next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did again, like you said earlier, Colin. You did taking a, a point, maybe because Southampton have been actually one of the one of the better sides since the restart. But um, yeah, I don't know what home, what the home we thought. And then we're all looking for a reaction after the sports debacle, but didn't come, especially first half. But I suppose happy enough for the point. Would you be? Oh yeah, particularly after the the, the first half uh, showing Joe. Uh, the one thing I will say is, um, if that penalty had been scored, how bad would we feel now? Because uh, uh, they came out and said that it was a mistake. It was a bit late saying that, and that's that's the second time now we've been uh, wrongfully uh, judged, uh, and a decision goes against us this this season, Joe. You know, mm. um, VAR is another podcast on its own, but um, thankfully you hit the crossbar. Well, we could have been three or four nil down, Joe, in the fourth half. That's that's how bad we were, you know. Yeah, I think then, expand on that. We'll we'll expand on that far thing, actually, Rich. Um, they came out today and said it was a mistake, and but like that's not good to us if if we lose two one. And then even the United match, I don't already seen it last night. Mm-hmm. And the United got and this should have been a free, should have been a free out. Free out, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you got to wonder what these guys are looking at, you know, or what the. I, I really don't know. I mean, it's shocked for words, but I thought the ref in general last night was, was very, very poor. You know, again, as I said, Warren Krause, that he, he well, it was Richardson kind of several times, there was three, four tackles where he clipped him every time and, you know, there's no punishment, so he's not going to stop doing it. And then, with that penalty, I mean, you see Niaz got done for retrospective, you know, there's, there's no talk, yeah. you know, and it just seems so, so unbalanced, you know, he did the, the whole thing and yeah, it was very poor. Then Richardson was in pretty much one-on-one and whether your man got a, got a touch on the ball or not, if he's given the free, it's a red. 100%. I said that at the time, Cully. The one thing is it's a card. Yellow. Yeah, if it's a card, it has to be yellow or it has to be red, sorry. Mm. Once, he, once he got off his pocket, it has to be, it has yeah. to be a red card. And, but yet again, VAR, look at it. 
and decide not a red card. I mean, that's two two big decisions against us in you know that 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 can that can turn a game very very fast. You know, yeah, we, we wouldn't again. have a great history that so that referee though. No, well, listen, put him on a long list, Colin, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. The thing about it is, Joe, right, if, if you're right, ball uh, something up and work, I'd be lamped out of it. You'd probably be lamped out. If you made a mistake and work, your boss would, would. There doesn't seem to be any sort of uh, people standing over these, or it certainly doesn't appear to be, right? And the club then itself are very quiet. And I've always, this has always been an issue with me, I've had. That they never come out and 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 criticise referees, or you know, there never seems to be anything coming from the club, you know, even in the media. You know, there's a lot of times that we'd be getting hammered out in the media, and you're just looking for the club to step up and either defend the name of the club or defend whatever the situation may be. You know, the kind of. Mm-hmm. I just thought the referee the other night was deplorable, and and as for where, again, if your man had put that in the goal, uh, it would have been two one. He would have lost that game, no points. And then to, for them to come out and say, "Oh, sorry about that, guys, but uh, we made a mistake there." Um, would that would Southampton still have gotten the three points? I'm sure they would have, you know. Yeah, uh, it was just like, I actually thought Far was a great idea when it came in initially, and uh, it's just it's it's just crumbling apart now. I mean, the one a few weeks ago, I don't think what match was. Uh, I can't remember. My memory's gone already. But, but listen. Two days later, they come out and say, oh, sorry, that was a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. But it happened. And they allowed it to happen. And I think they took like three or four minutes to look at this and still decided that it wasn't right. So, like you said, Richie, who's, who's, who's looking at this? How many people are looking at this? It's- yeah, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong here. Now, I thought I read something this morning also that FIFA were going taking over the VAR. You hear see anything like that? Because the oh. league kind of did their own where they, the ref wasn't going to the monitor and stuff like that. I must kind of have a look a little deeper into it. I thought I read something this morning that moving forward that, that it's going to be a FIFA thing and it's going to be the same across the board that this is how it's going to be implemented. But something needs to change because it's, you know, it's, I mean, and to be honest, it, it's not so much fair. It's the boys that are looking at the screens because the camera angles aren't lying. It's the, it's, no. the, it's the decisions that are coming to which are baffling, you know. Yeah. Like you said, the thing that frustrates me, Collie, is, is that every I watched European football like last season and this season when, when they brought in the pitch eye monitors. And in every other league in Europe, the ref comes over and has a look at the monitor. I think it's only happened three times in the Premier League where a ref, he, he obviously gets the call in his ear, isn't Lee or Mike, whoever you are, you might want to have a look at this. And the ref stops the match, comes over, has a look at the monitor. If he looks and sees he's made a mistake, change your mind. Now it's going to give out to you if you change your mind once you come to the correct decision, which they're not doing at the moment. They're letting some fella 200 miles away, sitting in an office with a cup of tea, make up his mind for him. It's a cop-out. To put it, yeah. to put it on some guy in an office, it's a cop-out. Mm. I think well, that's that, referees referees union just looking after each other because again like it's it's another ref down the road looking yeah, and you're yeah. Carlo was very very critical of the referee post game the other night and even today then in the press conference he was asked about VAR and obviously the decision that was went against us and the United decision and he actually said, he said, it's time for the monitors to go on in the stadiums and for the referees to come over and have a look and then decide. You know, yeah, so. I mean, I mean no, like I said, no one's going to give out to a ref if, if he makes a decision on the pitch and then something says, listen, you might want to have a look at this again. He comes off to the monitor, has a look, okay, hold my hand up, I got it wrong, and change your mind. Mm. Once the correct decision is come to in the end, but no one minds. No one minds the delay. No people give out. Oh, it's slowing the game. No. It doesn't matter. If if they get the right decision, that's all that matters, really. It doesn't matter if the game goes on for an extra 10, 15 minutes. Once they get the decisions correct, and they're not doing it, Rich. Which, and like someone said last night uh, during the Villa game, like that decision, I know they lost kind of heavy enough in the air, but that decision costs millions and millions and millions of pounds to a club like Villa if they go down on, on the strength of that. Yeah, and it, it, it changes kind of mentalities once they're conceded and things like that. 
where you just look at kind of certain other aspects kind of in the ref's control and you say, right, that at the end of the 90, they give two minutes additional where the clock is running through a water break. You've probably five subs in the second half. I don't know. It just baffles me that he puts four at the end of the first half and he puts two at the end of the second half when you have all this. And it's it's like that there's a, you know, that there's a, a hidden agenda behind it like that there are, you know. Because it, it, <laughs> he, he has like to get Freemason. Freemason. <laughs> What's that, Collie? He didn't actually play the two minutes either at the yeah. end of the game. Yeah. I just, I, I don't remember. It's drinks break in the second half. Was it drinks break? Yeah. The time was the that? game came, came on, yeah. Okay, yeah, because um, I, I don't remember one. But again, how can you play like six, one half and two next half? And uh, I, 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 I don't know. It's just, I think they're making up to go along, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that there's probably no need for the ref to be controlling. You know, that, mm. that can be put, put to, you know, just focus on the stuff on the pitch. You don't need to be worrying about time. That can be automated and it can be done to as close to, a, you know, not talking a buzzer job, but, you know, give it to the fourth official. He's standing at the line doing nothing anyway. Yeah, exactly. you know, Well, he's not doing as his soap sports now because Duncan's coming out and he's, <laughs> he's doing them now. So. <laughs> yeah, but again, as we spoke about, I think it was the very first podcast, these referees... Uh, Mike Dean is the worst of the bunch. They try to make the game about themselves, Collie, and it's 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 actually it, not ruining the game of football, but it's just taken away from every match when you see it carry on like that, like a school, like a headmaster nearly going around, you know, giving out to school kids. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, some of the decisions during the night was ridiculous, Joe. In fairness, like he he I, he gave. I think he gave Luke. A, Dean, a card. I don't know whether Luca Dean told him to, where to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, in French. Yeah. In French okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, but no, look, it, it, he was poor the other night, and he's been poor before with us. You know, the kind of way, and it, it's quite hard when when you're looking at the television and I'm roaring at the television, and you're actually thinking, how are you giving a free kick or even that penalty decision? To see, he War Prowse literally jumped into Gomez. Yeah. Thomas had, had, he couldn't do anything else bar what he did, you know. Um, but again, I just come back to the point, Joe, that if that had been converted and we lost 2-1, we're now discussing the defeat uh, by two Southampton at home uh, with a, a, a goal that should have, should never have been allowed. Because I don't think it would have been um, wiped off. I think Southampton would still have the three points and it'd be a case, I oh, look, sorry about Everton, but you know, we'll try and get you back next year or whatever type, type of thing, you know, that kind of able. It, it, it needs to be addressed. Um, and if it is to stay, and I believe it will stay, it needs to be tightened a lot more tighter. It really does. Yeah. yeah. All right, then we leave the Southampton game there, lads. Um, again, happy enough for a draw, Rich Collie. Yeah. Like, oh, you would have, yeah. again, I hope, you would have hoped for a home in, but and I'm absolutely sick as a pig that I didn't do Ings on one all. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to start backing my own predictions because I'll be a few quid up over the last couple of games but uh, yeah so we'll take a short break then and we'll come back and we'll talk about the Wolves match on Sunday thanks Welcome back to part two, folks. And now we're just going to preview the game on Sunday against Wolves, which uh, I think is going to be really a very, very hard game because Wolves are absolutely one of the better teams in the league, even before the break. They really are. And one player that scares me is that winger. Oh, I can't even make the big... He's like, he's like a rock. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Just, just the speed of him. And I can just see him tearing us to shreds on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he's very direct, uh, but they've got some fa- fantastic players. They did get beaten during the week. Um, Sheffield United beat them. So <laughs> they kind of seem to go through patches like that where they'll be really good and then they lose a couple or they'll drop a couple of points. So hopefully that, you know, that the, the, the trend continues. But yeah, I mean, 
they're they're really strong. They've been strong all season through the Europa. Um, you know, they, they they've got match winners as well. You know that they're able to kind of pick up and go with um, Jimenez and you know. But yeah, I, 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 it won't it won't be easy, especially away. I, I'm not looking forward to it, to be quite honest. No, I think they have again. We touched about it earlier as as much as their players aren't performing to the best of their ability, every one of their players, colleague is is absolutely playing at the top of the game. I know they, I know Richie said they lost it night, but that was a, like a late late goal against Sheffield United. Two similar teams actually who are like again playing to the top of their performance. But Wolves, I think, they're one of the better teams in the league for me, really. They've actually lost the last two. Um, to be honest, Joe, but I actually think the, the the break in the season has benefited Wolves more than maybe any other team in the league, possibly Man United, um, from a Europa point of view, because they obviously started, I think it was last July, they started, Joe, uh, in the early stages of the Europa uh, Cup. So you would think, you know, the legs would be fairly uh, dead at this stage if, if the coronavirus hadn't hit, but obviously they're, they're a bit more fresher. Uh, I agree with what Richie said. They're really good side. Uh, Jota and Jimenez up front. You have Neves and you have Traore out, out in the wing for them. Um, quite a solid back four. Um, I think we could be lucky to get anything out of, out of the game. Um, from an Everton point of view, just going on Carlos uh, press conference today, Delft has a calf injury. There's question marks over whether we'll actually see him before the end of the season. Um, according to Ancelotti today, he preferred him just to recover properly rather than risk him putting him in for the game. Theo Walcott mustn't have been 100% fit or anywhere near it, you don't know, because uh, he's ruled him out of Sunday's game. Uh, Holgate and Gomez will have, both have fitness tests tomorrow. And apart from that, he, he's just gone on and said that he, he's hoping to change it up a bit. But as, it, as we said, earlier on in the podcast show what, what that means does anyone guess so that's really it um, same as tomorrow or on Sunday should I say so I personally think they go 3-5-2 with the team that with Coleman in at centre half and Sadibi and Dina Hilton right wing back and left wing back he'll have three in the middle and the two lads up front I think um, Moise Keane will start uh, Dominic and possibly uh, Richarlison in that middle three but just pushing up a bit further so you might have a, a Tom Davis and Sigerson or if he brings in a Benigni and, and Sigerson in there um, but that's how I would go anyway you don't know about yourselves uh, I think Richie might or might think of it would be trying to pack the midfield but from a, def- a defensive point of view especially with their attacking force I mean the speed they have especially on the wings which we don't, we have we have no speed whatsoever, apart from Richardson, maybe. We just don't have the speed. So he might go defensive to counteract that. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that he would kind of, kind of set up in the, in the 3 5 2 that we started the second half of the other day. It seemed to suit us kind of against Liverpool as well when we were in that, in that more defensive shape. And um, just because of the, the, the bodies that we had, I mean, we're just not suited, I suppose. These players were bought to kind of fit into a system of kind of around four two three one or whatever, and I suppose this is more suited to it, um, which isn't ideal. I mean, they're professionals and they should be able to adapt to it to a different system, but they're just not at that level. So yeah, I, I, I think just kind of pack the pack the middle a bit, see how see how it goes. You know, if we can defend the box well, um, but yeah, again, if they're after losing two in the bounce, maybe that that. Their legs are kind of going, especially with with a couple of games in quick succession, and and we might catch him again. You'd be kind of hoping for a reaction that if he if Carlos after calling him out, kind of not or you know he kind of did it publicly and said that he needs more and everything. So yeah, I mean I know we said it after Spurs and we and we didn't get it. So I, again, it's hope more than anything that you'd see a reaction from him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay, prediction times. I'll I'll go. Yeah, I don't need to be like negative, but I just, I just think they're much, much better at the moment. So I, I got one near Wolves, and I'll be shot down to pieces. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what predictions are for. I'm on a roll now, so I'm just gonna go with it. Yeah, one near Wolves. Sorry, lads. Um, I'll go one all. 
Um, yeah, I think we might scrape the draw, or I hope we might scrape the draw, so I go one off. Oh, Mr. Positive, Collie Bell is now the whole here. Yeah, absolutely. Three <laughs> <I>, bill again. <laughs> I think, I, what I do think, Joe, and, and you might be upset with this, if he goes 4 4 2 or a 4 5 1 formation, expect Iwobi to start because Iwobi will be seen as a more defensive type player to get back with on Triore or on Jota on the other wing. Um, put me blue, everything had on. I think we are going to win 2 1. And uh, Richardson to score and Gordon to score. Nice. Please, yeah. Again, we don't want to be, be negative, but you have to kind of. You'll be the Mr. Positive, Scotty. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Yeah. I just, I just, think, they, I just think they'll have too much. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just kind of. Both of us kind of in bad form the last, the last two games each, so. You know, maybe it's a case of who blinks first, and you know, if you can get your nose in front, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's it, folks, for the Wolves. And um, we'll move on to now, uh, as I'm sure a few of you may know, I was lucky enough to be voted onto the Everton Fans Forum earlier this year. Uh, it's been actually very eye opening, I must say, which we talk about at length again. But uh, as part of the remit, uh, myself and Tony Sampson, who is a scouser but lives in Chicago, uh, we looked at the international fans' options. So we came up with a survey, which is posted out to different clubs uh, across the globe. And the survey results have been released last last few days. Uh, and we'll just talk about that now, lads. Just some key headlines. There was a total of 488 responses. Uh, which included 27 countries. Uh, 90% of respondents said it's important to them that they have the opportunity to input and provide feedback to the fans forum on club issues, which would then be sent to Everton, of course. 89% want to keep regularly informed of fans forum plans and activities. And 71% want to be involved in supporting the work of the fans forum. But there's also a lot of Stuff like 64% of respondents knew about the fans forum before the survey. Uh, 50% of those respondents uh, were aware the fans forum has now international representation. So there's a lot more which we'll go into in a bit. But I have to say, lads, uh, the overseas fans would be my main target, I think, as well as focusing uh, on, on local issues. But the uh, feedback from the fans overseas was more so uh, the need and the hunger to be involved more with the club and to to have a voice or voices, as you may say. So I don't know whether you've had a look, Colly, to have a look at the survey yourself. I did, Joe, yeah. It was very interesting. Um a few things now would be close to my heart. And I actually wrote to the club, would you believe, a number of years ago, Joe, in relation to merchandise. And uh, to pardon the pun, I actually said to them that I felt that they were scoring an own goal because, you know, he, he, the merchandise here, it, it, now the kickback deal was in place at the time and it was very hard to get any sort of merchandise outside of Liverpool City Centre or Liverpool City as, a, as such. I could go down to my local Elvis store and get an Aston Villa jersey or a Swansea jersey. So, going forward then, as a group, as, a, as an Irish toffee, as we're all Irish toffees, you're trying to encourage my son or, or the kids in Ireland to to support the club. But you go into a sports shop and there's nothing there, there's no everything there, there's Liverpool and City and Man U and whatever other team are there. So, now, in fairness, they got back to me and they did explain that it was the kickback deal and you could order online and what have you, but not everyone has the, the facility to order online. Not everyone has a laptop or a computer, you know, the kind of way. And I just, in fairness, they, I was happy that they got back to me, but I still, it's still an issue that niggles with me, to be honest with you, as an international fan, you know. Um, yeah. But again, that's just my issue, Joe, you know, the kind of way. I'm sure there's hundreds of issues across you know, supporters, you know, the kind of way. So. Yeah, no, no, I think they, that, that's a general feeling, to be honest. And it's it's been an issue for years, going back to, listen, when I was a kid, you'd, you'd walk into, like, a sports shop, there'd be Leeds, 
I know Leeds are big at the time, but even now, like you go in, you see, I, like a, a couple of years ago, I went look for an Everton jersey in the local shop. And there was a Sheffield United jersey there. And there was no Everton jerseys. So, it isn't in fairness, I think the club have taken a lot of this stuff on board and it's, it's an ongoing issue. Uh, I know Fanatics, uh, they've been talking to them. So, it's, it's, it's something that is being looked at. Might be a little bit disappointing that it's not as, as quick as we would like, but I, I certainly rich think that uh, some kind of Everton merchandise presence should be, especially in Ireland, being so close. Yeah, definitely. I suppose my thoughts on it is obviously it's so disappointing when you're going in someplace and you can't find it. But I suppose there's, I, I would see that there's ways around it, whether it's a case of the likes of having a pop up shop for a weekend that they can go mm. to different cities. You can sell it along with having an ex player there, and people will travel for it. So it's not a case of, you know, and then. You know, coming up to a kit launch, you know, whenever it's um, in, in two weeks' time or whatever it is, you know, that, that you can celebrate that as opposed to saying, you know what, I'll get my delivery in, in two weeks' time. And then you get it and, yeah, we haven't had Hummel before, so you don't know how it's going to fit and you have to send it back. And the good has gone out of it when you get it two weeks later. So just being able to kind of mix it with other things to try to make an event of it and, that you know, that to advertise it and to market it in the right way is definitely something that's kind of on, on the kid side of things. But also, you know, you go to, you go to Tesco, you go to Dunn's at Eastern, you can get all these other clubs, Easter eggs. You can't get an Easter egg in a mug or even at Christmas to get a few stocking fillers, little things like that, because that's, you know, it's, it's to start passing it on to kids is kind of, you know, that's, that's where it all starts. And I think we're missing a trick by not being involved in that market. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it's, it's, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing subject that a lot of people, especially overseas, would would have a problem with the lack of merchandise or the lack of even the options. Like locally, everyone can buy online, but like I said, Kelly, some people might might not have the the wherewithal or the facilities to do so. Just a, a few anecdotal comments from the feedback. Uh, just on that, uh, some people don't feel the club markets itself well enough in the US. Uh, I think the US US is a huge, huge market. Um I know Tony's spoken at at length. Um I, I do feel maybe missed the bus a little bit when they had Tim Howard, Landon Donovan, players like that there. So maybe that's yeah. something that After could be looked at as well. Yeah. Sorry? After Howard had that game in the World Cup. I mean, the market was there to be taken, you know. Even you, you speak yourself for friends that you have that have become Everton fans on the back of that performance by Howard against Belgium in the World Cup, mm. you know, that they really, really kind of missed the boat, you know. Um, yeah, and, and as you said, you Donovan, Brian McBride going back years, that it, it, it seems to be the case when you take Australia with, with, with Cahill, that there's markets there to be exploited and just seem to be kind of slow to react to it. Yeah. Again, just going through some of the anecdotal comments. Uh, Everton should be as well known internationally as any club, Collie. I, I, I think, 100%, especially, 100%, yeah. yeah, I think especially with with the the Premier League now, it's one of the most sellable markets on the globe. So I think to tap to tap into that, I think is a must. But you need you need Joe to have. You know, we're going back to the playing side. You need to have a successful team as well. Let's call mm. a spade a spade, you know. Mm-hmm. Just going back to uh, the American issue there, um, I did hear a rumour that if, if the season had ended as normal this year, that there was uh, the possibility of going uh, pre-season this season to, to America. Now, I don't know okay. how true it is. There's another market. like That's a huge market, Joe. Uh, Tim Howard is still an ambassador for the club or was made an ambassador for the club. Mm. Um, so there, we still have that connection in the States obviously we have Richardson and we have Mina from a South American point of view and we have now um, South African obviously point of view with with um, Pinar yeah Pinar um, so I don't know, understand like the, these ambassadors I think the club should, should be visiting these countries because it's another avenue it's another Financial, you know, section for the club. Mm. Just know? on that, some some of the uh, we have here the demographics of some of the countries who responded. Uh, of the percentage, USA forty four percent, Ireland eighteen, Norway forty percent, others 
a big, which countries would be Northern Ireland, Italy, Netherlands, Canada, Slovakia, Spain, Bulgaria, Czech Republic, Germany, Hong Kong, Sweden, Switzerland, Japan, Singapore, Belgium, Chile, Finland, France, Iceland, Kosovo, and New Zealand. Also, Australia, Malaysia, Denmark. So, bit like the Eurovision there, last <laughs> yeah. And beyond. But, like, yeah, but the, like, like I said, during the survey, the main thing I took was the hunger from, from fans across the world to feel like they're involved with not just the fans forum, but with the club itself and, f- and feel like there are issues and not, not so much grievances, but the issues that they have are being listened to. So I think the main point for me is, and Tony, is to put those feelings across to the club. And Joe, can I just say something as well? Like, um, I don't think it's criticism either of the club from a fan's 100%, point of view. 100% I, I think, I think it's, it's an actual love affair, to be honest with you, Joe. Yeah. And all, yeah. all we want, and it's the same with me, it's the same with you, it's the same with Richie. All we want to see is their club doing well and run well and what have you. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not a criticism of how it's run or the chairman or anything like that. It's just a, a, a wanting or a, a willing for us to see everyone be up there again with, with with the greats in this world. You know that kind of way. And it's not beyond the rounds of possibility. It's almost as if you can almost taste it or touch it. But we just need to take one or two steps more, and, and we, we get on our way. You know that kind of way. So, like again, it, it's. It is a love affair, and mm. any other supporters are listening to this, they'll probably say the same. You're a United supporter, whatever. You just want the club, your own team, to do the best they possibly can, and that's that's the same with them going out playing every week. You expect them to win every week, and if they don't win, then you're you're a bit down. Or like last season, I didn't watch match today when they lost. I didn't watch match today quite a lot, <laughs> you know, the kind of way. But you know, but that's that's what I'm trying to say. It's that feeling, Joe. It just you know that. We're so close to mm. it, you know the kind of way. And if if we could tweak a couple of things here or there, who knows where this this could lead? You know. Yeah, I think I have to say uh, in the few months I've been on the fans forum, the deals with the club, the club don't take, they don't see it as a criticism. They see right, it okay. as 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 like initiative ideas, communicating between the club, between the club and the fans and the fans forum. And I think that's. I think that's Everton kind of lead the way, I have to say, with interaction with fans. Sometimes, listen, if an idea comes up, it doesn't suit. Listen, at the end of the day, that's Everton are the business. So some of, some of these ideas that come across may not be implemented, but they're still welcome. Mm. That's it, I suppose. And if we can, or if Everton can get the message out that there is an avenue there to say if you have whether it's a grievance or an idea that you know that you have a route to go down to to let it be known and I think that's important you know that they yeah. are open to it through the right channels you know yeah again I think it's important that fans feel they have an avenue to to give that voice Collie uh, not just me or Tony but me to the club themselves the club are always open to ideas and issues. Uh, like I said, there's over 70 sporters clubs affiliated across the globe. So there is, there's a, there is a fan base there. And I know uh, Tony has said from a US point that some of the clubs uh, would look to Everton for help in growing their, their individual sporters clubs and getting a network as well to keep, keep, just keep involved between clubs themselves with travel retail, merchandise, stuff like that. And I think the main point that, that they, I keep coming back to, but they want engagement. That's, that's their main feeling, engagement between them and feel that they can engage without, being, like I said, without the club thinking it's negative or a grievance or... Yeah. Just an idea, Joe. Obviously, you said, what, the 70 supporters clubs, is there outside of the UK? Yeah. Yeah, across the globe. Just- it could be a stupid idea and please uh, say so if it is but why do you have an, an international supporters merchandise the polo top uh, so, like a generic as in an Everton with the Everton crest and kind of international fan club and all, all across the 70 they would all be recognised then as one if you know what I mean 
you, mm. you, I'd be still a member of the Irish Toffees, but you could also then be a part of the International Everton Supporters Club, and you could get yeah. a polo top bar. Again, you know, it's just it's something to say, well, I belong to the International Everton Supporters Club. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of I touched on it that uh, different clubs are looking to to interact with other clubs. Mm. Especially now, nowadays we have internet and like like this with Zoom or whatever. It, it's easy to hook up, but I think to to feel uh, that you're part of that. This Everton have this already. This family feeling. So I mean to spread it around. Malays like the countries I mentioned earlier to get all them together under one umbrella. Yeah, would, would be would yeah would would be a great idea. Like. 27 countries responded. So, mm. so there's, there's, a, there's a hunger out there for it, Richie. It's, to, it, to, it's strength in numbers as well, you know. Once, you, once people kind of say, oh, wow, this, 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 this is happening or whatever, this is available, you'd be surprised how, how, how quick it'll grow legs also, you know, that people kind of respond to it, whereas people may kind of shy away when they, when they don't realise what they're getting into. But when they see that, oh, wow, it's across 27 different countries or whatever, it's a lot easier to kind of to step up to it then. Yeah, just another thing, Joe, just in relation, and again, of merchandise on the brand today, just in relation to merchandise, and if you had something kind of across the, the sector for an international kind of merchandise, and if the club then reduced the postage fees on that product, be it going to Singapore, or th- that way, then you're not getting the counterfeit knock, knockoff types in these countries, and you're getting and the club then are making obviously money from the sale of of a polo shirt or a jersey or some sort of flag or whatever the case would be. So they're all under the same umbrella of a fan club. And then the individual supporters club, say the Irish Toffees, can, we can do up our own uh, mm. Irish Toffees top or something. Again, it's just an idea, Joe, but it's that sense of belonging. And that's what I'm trying to you know encourage. Our, our, because, look, at the end of the day, you know, I listen to podcasts from the lads from the States and other lads, you know, the kind of way. So it's, we're all one big blue family at the end of the day, you know, the kind of way. Yeah, I think it's spot on, Polly. I think, Richie, uh, the linking up of fans from across is something that Everton, not that they, they haven't looked at, but I think it, it could be looked at a little bit more. Like, I think someone mentioned like a buddy kind of system where local fans from the Liverpool area would adopt you know, a fan from overseas or international and, and keep in touch with them on a regular basis. I know that, that idea come up during one of the fans forum meetings, which I think is a, is a brilliant idea. Almost like a, a, a like a, a fan mail or, do you know what I mean? A, mm. Yeah, but even then you, you kind of push it further that when someone goes that they meet at, at games or whatever. And it's just, it's always nice to meet new people at a game or whatever, get a different opinion on it and to grow not just friendship, but ideas on the club and different things like that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, you you got to be constantly kind of trying to trying to broaden your reach and, and everything that's going on in the world as well. Uh, I think another thing uh, which could be tapped onto as well is there's a great opportunity for everyone in the community to, to, to raise some money through this. I don't want mm-hmm. to use it as a, as a charity thing either, but if they could tap into something like this, and, and I know Tony said as well, an idea came from one of the guys from one of the sports clubs in the States now hosting local like supporters events but having a raffle or trying to raise funds for everything in the community and give it all back to them. So that's another option, Kelly. Well, again, going back on a polo short type of thing, even if you had uh, everything in the community embroidered in it as well, so whatever, mm-hmm. whatever money is made from the sale of these is going directly into so not only am I the Everton International supporter getting a top which will have the Everton crest on it, I'm also uh, giving money for Everton in the community, which regardless of what club you support, that is the, one of the best uh, schemes I've ever heard of. And, and 100%. Whoever set that up should be applauded and the club themselves should be applauded. Leave aside yeah. whatever's going on in the football world, but whoever set the Everton community up, um, should be applauded for the work that they do in, in the city of Liverpool because that's just tremendous, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, it is, Rich. I have to say, you know, uh, Karina, she's heavily involved in the uh, Everton Community Project and 
I mean, the work she puts in, her and the other, and it's all on a voluntary basis, a lot of the people who do it, especially around the area, the Liverpool, you see the Everton Hub, the, the Blue Base, and, and I think it's going to extend now when we do eventually leave Gullison, that there's going to be like a, a footprint left there, which is, and it's, like you said, Colly, it's one of the standout things that we do as a club. Everton in the community is just a stunning initiative, which, yeah, as you as you mentioned there, the say the hub and different things like that that are that you can see kind of dotted around, and you kind of more and more seen reports on on TV kind of leading up to games about oh yeah, Everton community done this and that, and it, it, it's fantastic to see you know that the, the influence they have and the the changes they've made on people's lives and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I suppose that's done so well. <laughs> if we could get things half as right on on, on the pitch, would be fantastic. But yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it is. I mean, it's it's to tap into different things like that, where you know you can whether it's a case of showcasing, you know, and bringing bringing people into that and 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 showing, yeah. But if you're talking about supporting that, yeah, I mean, if you have these meetups and you have, you know, because we've all been to events where you're doing auctions or whatever, and if it's a case of the, a percentage or whatever it is, so that you can do that, and it's it's centralised back to the club, you know. So it's not a case of we'll do this thing and we'll do this thing, and that everyone is kind of building for the one cause as opposed to kind of being on, on their own or whatever you want to say it. Yeah. I think another option could be as well, Colly, if, if you have like a fundraising event like that, maybe 50% of the money could go to a local charity where, where the event has been run and 50% to everyone in the community. So I just, I just see it as a win-win situation, to be honest. Yeah, the, the, I, I was actually kind of thinking about that, Joe, in relation to, say, a local aware or, or PA the house mm. type of thing you know mm. and then whatever else then will go to everyone because it would be obviously similar uh, you know both sides of the water and, and I would encourage certainly I, uh, you know it would encourage me to, to to do me bit as such you know the kind of way so loads of possibilities there Joe absolutely loads of possibilities you know and yeah. but again um, the, the club off the field excellent absolutely brilliant you know the likes of that everyone in the community and, and everyone says it like the player and in fairness to the players the players participate in anything and they seem, there doesn't seem to be any issues whatsoever be it training with kids or whatever the, or the disadvantage in the local area doesn't seem to be any sort of issues there whatsoever you know the kind of way. so it's a credit it's a credit to the club and a credit to the players that, that do it you know yeah here here Okay, we'll uh, finish up that week. Uh, by the way, if anybody wants uh, information on the International Supporters Survey, just contact your local uh, head of your supporters club or I'll put a link in the podcast later on. You can have a look at the survey. Like I said, one of my passions, I spoke about it yesterday with Jeff, is speaking to Everton fans across the globe and getting their perspective on how they view Everton Football Club from afar what they need, what they want, and so on. So, and should we talk about that again? Listen, lads, thank you very much again for today. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully after a good win against Wolves. Take care, boys. Thanks, boys. Talk to you soon. See you, Joe. Take care. See you, Rich. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're interested in joining the Irish Toffee Supporters Club, just send an email to memberships at irish-toffees.com or visit our website www.irish-toffees.com. Up the toffees.